Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Awesome. Well, hey, we are continuing this series, like we've mentioned, uh, called The God of Promise. Next week, we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. We're gonna, we've been talking about the covenants of God. But next week, we're going we're gonna to kind of stay on the same series, but we're kind of just shifting gears a little bit. We're going to be talking about how we're the people of promise and what it looks like to be people that are in covenant relationship with God and how we interact with one another. So you don't want to miss uh, at least two weeks, maybe three weeks, as, as we kind of do kind of an in-between series and kind of work this in and see how all that pans out. Well, we've been focusing on this scripture out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. We're going to put it on the screen. If you'll declare that with me today, it says this, let us hold tightly. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Come on, declare that for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let's do that one more time. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. And we've been digging into this series. We've talked about Adam. We've talked about Noah. We've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Moses. Last week, we talked about David. Out of David's line would come this king who would rule and his kingdom would never end. And we spent a lot of time in that. If you've, if this is the only message you've got, I would encourage you to go back and catch the podcast or YouTube or Facebook and catch these messages. It is transformed for me personally as I've studied this and I've dug into it. It's transformed the way that I look at the Bible because the Bible is all built upon covenants. And so Jesus obviously is the perfecter of all the covenants through the scripture. All those, all the covenants from Adam to Moses to David, all of them were pointing to the greater covenant that God would make with mankind. And they all point to this covenant and there were many of them, but they were all imperfect. All the ones that we talked about that it wasn't, wasn't imperfect because because the uh, because God's promises were imperfect. They were imperfect because God was making them with men and they were contingent upon men to a certain level. They had perfect, medi- Im- imperfect mediators. So every covenant has a mediator. And we know that Adam was imperfect. We know that even Abraham, even though he's a man full of faith, he was a friend of God. He was imperfect. We know that Noah, only the, the only righteous man on the earth, he was imperfect. And we know that Moses, imperfect. David... <laughs> Absolutely imperfect, imperfect mediators of these covenant. However, when they all point to this great covenant, there's a new covenant that comes on the scene. It's called the new covenant, and it's the only one that has the perfect mediator. And the perfect mediator is none other than the Lord Jesus himself. So we call this, not only do we call it the new covenant, I want to call it the Jesus covenant. It's the Jesus covenant. The new covenant is the Jesus covenant. It's the covenant that Jesus came and established. And let me suggest this to you. It's the final covenant. Because this is the last covenant that will ever need to be made because God's best. Listen, understand this. We pray out, Lord, give us the goodness of God. We want your best in our life. Can I tell you today that the best has already came? The best is already here. It's all in Jesus, and we're walking it out, and we're we're attaining it, and we're walking through life. But the greatest thing that God could ever do on the earth has already happened. It's already happened through Jesus, and he rules on the throne. How many know that God has one plan? 
God has one plan for humanity. And we get caught up in policy and politics, and we get caught up in all the, all the agendas of the age, but God has one agenda, and the agenda is Jesus. And maybe there's other agendas that will flow out of that, but the point of it all, the point of it all is this man, Jesus Christ. God has one plan, and the plan is Jesus. And Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant, the Jesus covenant. It says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. He is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. God gave Jesus so that you could be in covenant with him. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. And you're called. Some people say, well, who's called? Who's chosen? Jesus talks about that. And most of that, that, that idea is, is in this. Jesus said, hey, there's a, there's a wedding come out, coming. He's like, what I want you to do is, is I want you to go out to the highways and byways and invite everybody you see. And then only a few people responded to that invitation. So who were the called and who were the chosen? Well, the called was everybody. Everybody was called. And the chosen were those that decided to respond to the invitation. So guess what? You're called. God's called you, and you are called to receive the inheritance that God has promised. There is an inheritance for you. The inheritance is Jesus. The inheritance is the new covenant, this promise that God made through Jesus. And here it is in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Now, Hebrews is a great place for you to just get into the Word of God, for you to just read, and especially as we've gone through this series, if you've been tracking, it'd be great for you just to go spend some time in Hebrews, because Hebrews talks a lot about how the law was a shadow, right? The, the law was a was a portrait of, of what Jesus would fulfill, and so get into the book of Hebrews. It's great, and he talks a lot about this. He's talking about the priesthood of Jesus, and it says this in chapter 8, verse 6, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior. So he is the mediator. That's what makes it superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on what? Better promises. There it is. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the law, the covenant? No, with the people. Why? Because the people couldn't complete it. And said, and this is where he begins to go into the prophetic word from Jeremiah chapter 31. And this is what God said. He's like, man, I've seen fault with the people, so this is what I'm going to do. Like he always does when people blow it, I'm going to come and I'm going to reestablish some things. He said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Everybody say new. I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not like be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, right? This is the, the children of Israel under the leadership of Moses. Why? Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. If you remember, the old covenant was based on do good, get good. Do bad, get bad, right? If you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do bad, you'll be cursed. That was, and so what happened? They did just what we do. We do bad. And so they got cursed. So he says this, I turned away from them. This is the covenant I will establish for the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law not on stone. Come on. 
not even on paper, but I will put the law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. (laughs) That's good news. No longer will they need to teach their neighbor and say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now, does that mean that we don't need teaching? No, because we obviously have the gift of teachers. Jesus said to go preach, right? And so we do need teaching and we do need preaching. But what that means is this. It means that that. You can know the Lord on your own. I don't have to teach you. You don't need a priest. You don't need a person to go to and, hey, this is this is God. You can actually discover the Lord on your own. You don't need anybody to teach you. You can experience the Lord on your own accord. Good news. And then he makes a statement, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He will forget your sins. By calling this covenant new, oh, here it is, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So what is it? What is the new covenant? What are we, what are we getting into when Jesus came on the scene? What, was, what were the terms of the new covenant? Well, first of all, we get reconciliation. Everybody say Reconciliation reconciliation the way that i like to describe reconciliation is like this we were broke up and now we're back together and that's what reconciliation means it means that you were separated from god and now you're together with god right and some of you you are separated from god but guess what he wants he wants the ministry of reconciliation he wants to be reconciled well how does that happen We know you can't come to God if you've got sin in your life. Your sins, Isaiah tells us, your sins have separated you from God. Well, God says this under the new covenant or the new contract, if you will. He says, I will remember your sins no more. I will remember your sins no more. So Jesus, when he came on the earth, he had a mission. And he tells us what the mission is in Luke chapter 19. He says, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Oh, Jesus came for justice. He came for social justice. Jesus came to help the hurting. All of those things, all those things complement this one thing. I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Humanity's broken. It's lost. I'm here to find it and recover it and reconcile it. So Jesus' main ministry, listen, is reconciliation. It's to get back together. It's to get us back together with God. So when you come to Jesus, this is, the, this is, this is what's awesome. The, the, the beauty of the new covenant is, is, is summed up in this thing, that I will forgive their sins and I will remember them no more. Yeah, that thing. The worst thing. Remember that worst thing you ever did? Did you know that if you confess that sin to God, if you've come to God, the worst thing that you ever did, guess what? God doesn't remember it. Even God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge. He goes, you go, God, I'm sorry I did that. He's like, whoa, did, what are you talking about? Because you, because you asked him that 20 years ago. He forgot about it. See, so, so when you come to Jesus, it places your sins within the realms of that which is impossible for God. You know, there's certain things that are impossible for God. And one of the things that's impossible for God to do is to remember your sins once you've taken them to him. He can't remember. See, you could have done it 150 times this week. And you come to God, and you go, God, I'm messed up. I'm such a sinner. I'm so broken. I need you. 
He goes, yes. And then next week, you do pretty good. Next week, you come to the Lord, and you go, Lord, I know I've done it 250 times. He's like, what are you talking about? I don't remember any of that. See, some of you are so locked up in shame that you're allowing the sins that you've committed 20, 30 years ago, you're allowing them to keep you in because in your mind, you don't think that God is good enough, that you don't think the cross was good enough to deal with your sin. But he says this, I will remember your sins no more. What is he doing? He's reconciling you. He said, you're not a sinner. You're a son. How many of you know you deal, you deal differently with your enemies than you do your kids? And guess what Jesus did with his enemies? He loved his enemies right into friendship. And that was your, listen, if you are not in Christ, Scripture tells you this, that you are an enemy of God. Didn't matter how good you've been. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. What matters is that you've been reconciled to God. And when you come to God, he calls you friends. He calls you his. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, God was reconciling, reconciling the world to himself in Christ. How? Not counting the people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. He's like, I'm, I'm in. I'm, we're in. We are reconciled. You're mine. And you're not getting out of it. So reconciliation. It's the first term of the new covenant. The second is this regeneration. Everybody say regeneration. So we got reconciliation and we got regeneration. And regeneration is this where he says new hearts and new spirits. And this is what it says in Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel's account, the prophetic word from Ezekiel about the new covenant. For I will gather you up from the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle water on you and you will be clean. Come on. Your filth will be washed away. Love it. And you will no longer worship idols. Come on. I could go there. And he says this, I will give you a new heart. A new one. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Some translations say this, a heart of flesh. See, that heart that you've been working on so hard to make hard so you don't experience pain anymore. He says, I'm going to take that off. And I'm going to give you a heart that's never been offended. I'm going to give you a heart that's never been wounded. I'm going to give you a heart just like I gave baby Eleanor. Baby Bella, I'm going to give you a heart just like I'm going to make you like a brand new squeaky clean baby. That's the kind of heart you get when you come to Jesus. It's not wounded. It's not jaded. It's not bitter. See, heart flesh for a heart of stone. See, the, the bitterness that you carry, the, the regret that you carry, the hardness, the stone. Stones are heavy. All that junk that you've been carrying around. He said, listen, I'm going to take away your weighty heart and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a tender heart. I'm going to give you a heart that's able to respond. I'm going to do a new thing in you. Brand new. A broken a renewed heart, a renewed spirit. Some of you think, well, man, I have a broken spirit. 
Maybe I had a, a parent that was hard on you or a teacher that was hard on you or a, a boss that's been hard on you or a spouse that's been hard on you and you've, you've, you're, you're, your spirit is broken. God says, that's okay. I'm going to give you a new one anyway. See, in Christ, your past is irrelevant. In Christ, it don't matter where you came from. In fact, if it's really tough, all that is is just a bigger testimony. That's all it is. Come on. It's just a bigger thing that God did in your life. And some of you are so caught up in the past. Listen, it doesn't matter. Today's a new day. Today's a new day. When you come to Jesus, it's brand new. New heart, new spirit. But pastor, you don't, but what if? No. No what is no no if ands or buts about it God is good enough to forgive you. Jesus paid such a high price, such a high price for you to be squeaky clean before God. Such a high shouldn't we be that way? With our forgiveness. We think our forgiveness is so valuable. We 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 think we think our forgiveness is more valuable than God's forgiveness because of the way that we treat people that sin against us. says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 he says therefore therefore if anyone anyone think of the most vile person that you've ever met think of the person that you're most angry at in your life right now if that person comes to Jesus guess what which I hope you want them to come to Jesus if that person comes to Jesus guess what it says right here the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here and beloved when you came to Jesus guess what he did he reset your life he gave you a new heart he gave you a new spirit you are a new creation to experience the new thing that God is doing in your life he wants to renew you and some of you've been held on held on by for decades held on for years some of you don't have decades yet but you got years, and it's been holding on to you, and God's saying, I got a new thing for you, but it all starts right up in here. It all starts internally, and he'll make you new. So we get reconciliation. We get regeneration, and we get reclamation. Reclamation, what does that mean? It means to claim back something that once belonged to you and that was lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to reclaim you. It's just what happened when Adam fell in the garden. Remember Adam and Eve falls in the garden? That's what, we, that's what we studied in week one. And then there they are. They're falling. And God shows up. What does he show up to do? To beat them down? No, God shows up to renew a contract. And reclamation is this. You were my enemy. You were opposed to me. You were resisting me. But I reclaim you. I will be your God. And you will be my people. This is God's heart for you, that you would belong to him, that you would belong to him. My people, for my purposes. Beloved, this is the point that we live from. I belong to God. The rights that I have are the rights that God gives me. I don't have a right to be offended. I don't have a right to be selfish. I'm God's, and he is mine, and I'm here for his purpose. Of, in reclamation, I've also been repurposed. <laughs> My purposes are his purposes. See, under the old covenant, our relationship with God was a result of our purpose, our, our performance. 
But in the old covenant, our relationship with God was contingent upon our performance. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad, right? I mean, that's what it was, all about your performance. How well did you do today? Let's get out the scorecard. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Then as you start evaluating, you realize, oh, I didn't do as good as I thought I did. Then you do bad things with good intentions. And you do good things with bad intentions. You start getting into the intentions like, wow, I'm not doing very good. So under the old covenant, our relationship with God was based upon performance. I've got to do really good to make God happy. But in the new covenant, performance is a result of relationship. So he flipped the script. He's like, you got to do good to be mine. And now he's saying, you're going to do good because you're mine. I reclaimed you. Now, now your purpose is good works. You aren't saved by your good works, but you were saved for your good works. I've saved you and I've repurposed you. I've reclaimed you, your mind. Reconciliation, regeneration, reclamation. And number four is we get a companion. Couldn't find a chun word for that, so you just got the young. A companion. He says this. I will put my spirit in you. I'm renewing you. People of God, I'm renewing you. I'm making you new. Why? So I can put my spirit in you. And you've been trying to follow God according to a list written on a stone. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to write the things that I want in your life on your heart through the spirit of God. And then you'll be careful to follow my decrees. You'll be careful. You'll live the way I want you to live. So when we think of the Holy Spirit, we love the spirit part, right? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders, right? You're going through a hard time. Take your lunch break, right, at work. Somebody, somebody's mean to you and you went in the car. Why am I being persecuted, right? Lord, the end of my life, the worst thing. Somebody didn't like my comment on Facebook. Oh, right. Spirit, lead me, Right. We love the spirit part. And he does what he does, right? He comes in. He comforts us. He gives us peace. We're like, yeah, Holy Spirit. We love the spirit part. But we don't like the holy part too much. Come on. Come on. And so, listen, he leads us into comfort. We love that. He is the comforter. He is the the parakletos. I didn't say parakletos. He is the, come on, the parakletos. He's the one that comes alongside of you to comfort you. But listen, he doesn't just come inside of you to comfort you. He comes inside of you so you can obey him. That's why Jesus said in in John 16, he said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you. He won't force you into truth. He will lead you into all truth and remind you of the things that I've been telling you. That's what he's saying. I'm going to put it in your heart. I'm going to impress your heart. I'm going to put residue on your heart of who I am. To what? To follow my decrees. So not just that you'll be comforted and, oh, Jesus walked on water. Yeah, all that. But also, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, love your enemies. Oh, practice humility. This is how he leads us. This is the true spirit of holiness. So we we, we start talking about the, the new covenant. We think, well, God doesn't have any expectations. I would suggest this to you. The expectations and the regulations in the new covenant are actually higher than they are under the old covenant because it doesn't just deal with a list. It deals with your heart. (laughs) So now not only are your deeds under scrutiny, 
Now your motivation is. Now your heart is. Now your intentions. But see, holiness is holiness has never been about your deeds. It's been about your heart. It's always been about your heart. And, and let me say this. The law never made anyone holy. In fact, you can't make yourself holy. I want to be holy. I'm going to live holy. No, you set yourself apart. You say, God, I'm reserved for your purposes. God's the one that deals with the holiness. He's the one that makes you holy. You can't make yourself holy. Just like you can't get right with God. You can't. I'll say that sometimes. You need to get right with God. But really, you can't get right with God. Only Jesus can make you right with God. So what you do is you set yourself apart and say, God, I want to be right with you. And he goes, okay, I've already provided for that. It's in Jesus. Come to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. So holiness is not simply actions, but also intentions. Right? Because you've done, you've done good things with bad intentions before. I have. Maybe you haven't, but I have. And you've done bad things with good intentions before. But under the new covenant, it's not just about doing right. It's about being right. And that happens through the indwelling spirit of God. Listen, holiness is not about, because he is the Holy Spirit. Holiness is not about perfection. It's about direction. Holiness is not about perfection, about being perfect. It's about the direction of your heart. It's about your heart being bent towards Jesus. So get that. Get that ingrained in you. It's about the posture of my heart. It's about the direction of my heart. Holiness is not about perfection, but direction. So which direction are you pointed? Are you pointed towards your own will, your own way, your own life, your own will? What you want, what you want, what you want, or is your heart pointed towards, Lord, what do you want? What do you have for me? Lord, what's your desire of me? And he gives us, listen, he gives us the grace through the Spirit of God to do it. He gives us the grace. Listen, grace is not simply a pass when you do what's wrong. That's actually mercy, right? If you're seeking forgiveness, you don't need grace. You need mercy, right? So grace is not simply a pass when you do what's wrong. Grace empowers you to do what's right. That's what grace does. Grace actually gives you the ability to please God. (laughs) So good. Grace is so good. It takes God to obey God. Come on. It takes God to please God. It takes God to honor God. So what does God do in the new covenant? He gives you a companion. He gives you God. He gives, he gives you God, the Holy Spirit, inside of you to live out what he desires. I will be their God and they will be my people. Number five. And this is really the package of it all. This is, this is where it really where it all fits together. Jesus gives us in his covenant, he gives us the God of promise revealed. The God that we've been studying through these last six weeks, the God of all those covenants, Jesus comes up on the scene and he shows up and he says, this is what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of God. Well, God wouldn't do that. Would Jesus do it? If it did, listen. If it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not God. Because God can't contradict himself. 
John chapter 1, verse 16. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. The NIV says it this way. It says, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. The old covenant was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through who? Jesus Christ. There it is. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the unique one, Jesus, who is himself God, who is near to the Father's heart, has revealed God to us. What is God like? Look at Jesus. So Jesus shows up to establish his covenant. He's like, I'm the one you've been searching for. I'm the one who we've been signing these contracts with all along. I am him. I am. He has revealed God to us. See, Jesus revealed a father who becomes our father. And this is not, we, we talk about God, Father God, oh, Father God. You know, we say it like 50 times every little time we pray for lunch. Father God, Father God, Father God, right? And so we, we call God Father. We call him Abba. We love that. But did you know we don't see a lot of that language of the children of Israel? There was a few that called him Father. But we don't see it as a corporate language. Listen, because the kingdom of God is a family. And we all share a father. And so Jesus came and he said, this is what the father is like. This is what the good father is. So Jesus revealed a father who becomes our father. So when you have need in your life, who do you ask when you're a kid? The father, the provider of the house. Usually it's mama first at our house. I'm like, you can ask me. <laughs> Listen, there's some things only the Father can give you. There's some things that you've been seeking. Oh, there's some things that you've been seeking in your life that only the Father can give you. And the reason why you're so stressed out is because you've been looking for that fulfillment in all the wrong places. Only God can give you peace. Only God can give you righteousness. So Jesus prays this in John 17. I would encourage you to get into John 17. This is where Jesus prays. Jesus is praying. Before he's going to suffer, Jesus is praying. You can see a lot of what is on Jesus' heart. He prays about unity. Come on. He prays for his disciples. It shows where his heart was. He says this. He's praying to the Father, and he says this. I have revealed you to them. And I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. They're going to get you, Father. Hey, Dad, they're going to understand you because they understand me. And I'm going to continue to reveal the Father through the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. So listen. Jesus revealed a father who becomes our father. Now, because of that, we have access to the covenant-keeping God. We have the God who made all these covenants throughout the Old Testament, all of his promises, all of his characteristics. Guess what God says? He says, that's who I am. It wasn't just something I did. It's, it's who I was. So whenever you go, when, you, when you're experiencing lack in your life, he says, I am Yahweh, Jireh. I am the Lord, your provider. Whenever you're experiencing sickness or disease, he says, I am Yahweh, Rapha. I am your healer. So if you're sick, the first 
phone call you need to make is not to the doctor. It's to the word of God and say, Lord, you are Yahweh provider. You will provide the needs that I have. And you can say, Lord, you are Yahweh Rapha. You are the Lord, my healer. So when you're praying, don't go, Lord, why? Why am I going through this? It's just so hard. You can just say, Lord, you're in covenant with me. Yahweh Rapha, you're the Lord, my healer. I want to see you, Lord, in my life. Whenever you're going through defeat, whenever you feel like everything's falling around you, you can say, Lord, you are Yahweh Nisi. You are the Lord, my banner. You are, the, you are my victory banner. You, are wave, you have already waved the flag of victory. You've already stood up on that hill and waved that flag and said, I've won the war. I've won the battle. And you can point to Jesus and go, Lord, you are Yahweh Nisi. You are my banner. You are my victory. Whenever you're struggling with some sin issues and you feel like your heart isn't bent the right way, you can say, Lord, you are Yahweh. Kadesh, you are my sanctifier. Whenever you're anxious and you're stressed out, you can say, Lord, you are Yahweh Shalom. You are God, my peace. Whenever you're lacking leadership in your life, you can look into Psalm 23 and you can say, Lord, you are Yahweh Ra. You are my shepherd. You are the leading one. Whenever you are, are forgetting who and whose you are, you can say, Lord, you are Yahweh Sitkanu. You are my righteousness. Whenever you feel alone and afraid, you can say, Lord, you are Yahweh Shema. You are the Lord who is ever present you are there this is the God of covenant he has made these promises within his nature for you to access him at any time and it's all done because Jesus went to the cross to reconcile you not just so you can have a Bible to carry around but that you can have a name that you can call on you can say God you've given me your name you, you signed it on the deed you said I'm good for it and I trust your word one more scripture, then we're going to take communion together. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter verse 1, verse 20, it says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding, an echoing yes, 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 yes. And through Christ, our amen, ascending to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. And listen, he has identified us as his own. Remember that reclamation? He has identified us his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. So the Holy Spirit is that reminder to go, listen, remember you're healed. Remember you have victory. Remember you're mine. Remember. I'm guaranteeing it by my spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the seal of the new covenant. And then we also have a sign of the covenant. And I think you guys were given some communion. Can I have one of those? You were given communion when you walked in the door. If you weren't, just lift up your hand and we'll get one to you. All sanitary and everything. And so Jesus... The night he was betrayed. He gets around with his, with his crew. 
And they're eating their last meal together before he goes to the cross. Remember? We all have that last supper image in our mind. And here he is with his disciples. He says, listen, take, eat. He talks about this in Matthew 26. He's like, this is, this is, this is the, the body that is broken for you. This is the blood of my new covenant. Here it is, Matthew 26. When they were eating, Jesus took bread. And if you don't mind, go ahead and get your bread out. Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Why did he break it? Because Jesus' body was broken. Did you know that he was broken for your wholeness, for your physical wholeness, for your mental wholeness, for your emotional wholeness? Come on. For your well-being, he was broken. He said, take and eat. This is my body. So let's take the bread together. Father, we thank you for giving us Jesus. Lord, we thank you that your body was broken for us. If you're experiencing sickness today, just come into covenant with God. Receive that new covenant. If you're dealing with psychological issues today, emotional issues, mental issues, I want you to think about that body that was broken. Listen, Jesus paid a, a very high, high price for your wholeness. Jesus said, whenever you take this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember the covenant that I'm making with you. So Lord, we take the bread together today. Your body was broken for our wholeness. The bread of life, the substance of life. suffered and that you poured your blood out. So as he took the cup and gave thanks, he says, I want you to drink this today and I want you to remember the covenant and the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And I will remember their sins no more. Listen, the juice doesn't cleanse your sins. Taking a piece of bread and a little bit of juice today. That's not what cleanses your sins. What cleanses your sins is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It was spilled on that cross 2,000 years ago. And if you'll believe that that blood was for you, that he spilled his blood, that he died for you, believe that God raised him from the dead. Scripture says that you will be saved, that you will be redeemed, that you will be reconciled with God. 